Blog Talk Radio. This is the Sherry and Carrie Show with your hosts, Sherry and Carrie. Let your voice be heard. Welcome to the Sherry and Carrie Show. This is Sherry and... And here I am, Devin Carey. <laughs> there you uh, are. How are you doing, Sherry? How are you doing, Devin? Oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. It's I'm doing great. Long week. Yeah, it sure has. It sure has. It's really hot out, man. And um, and I hear that you had a power failure earlier today. I saw we weren't, about, we weren't going to do the show. I was like, no, no Sherry and Carrie Show. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was kind of crazy. We had a huge storm come through, and we have, you know, those electrical boxes out on the street blue, and I started to panic yeah. because we lost power, and then the cable wasn't hooked up, and I'm like, how am I going to get on the internet? So I was freaking I out, but we're here. Everything goes <laughs> yes, well. we See? sure are. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and so we have a very special guest tonight, and his name is Arthur Lewis Smith. Uh, Lewis, are you on the line with us today? Yes, right here. Hi, how are you doing, Lewis? Oh, splendid. How are you this evening? Great, great. So, I wanted to get, you know, get this, the ball rolling. Kind of just like, um, like get right into it, you know, like, what, um, could you give a, could you give the listeners a little bit about the life of Lewis Smith? Like, just tell us a little bit about, like, you know, where he came from, um, you know, what you do for a living, uh, how many books you've uh, you've published, and um, and then just kind of just go from there, and then we'll just uh, we'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the chance to be on your show this evening. I've been looking forward to it. I am from Greenville, yes. Texas, and I was actually born and raised here. Um, I'm okay. 52 years old. Uh, graduated down at Quinlan Ford High School and spent four years in the United States Navy back when Reagan was president. Uh, got out of the Navy, got my bachelor's and master's in history. Uh, I have taught for 20 years at a small private school here in Greenville, also teach night classes at the local community college. And uh, I've been a voracious reader my whole life. I typically have about four books going at a time. Uh, I read a, a wide variety of topics, but primarily uh, history and a variety of fiction. Uh, and uh, probably, I guess it was about four years ago, 2012, in March, that I sat down and started writing my first novel. I had tried a couple of times before, once when I was in the high school and once when I was in the Navy, uh, to produce a novel. Neither effort was successful. I'd written a few short stories that I still have tucked away in a file folder here at the house. Uh, but anyway, I, I started this novel, and it took me about 10 months to finish it. Uh, it took me about another year after that to find a publisher and I hooked up with Electio Publishing, which is a small independent publisher out of Little Elm, Texas, uh, and sent up my first novel, and they liked it. And uh, as of right now, I have three novels in print uh, and another one under contract and another one that I've just finished. So I've written five books in four years. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Um, it's good. good thing you stuck in there whenever you, you didn't finish the um, – get those first couple um, out there. Good thing you stuck in there because it really paid off, now didn't it? Uh, so far, it's been a, a lot of fun being out there doing book signings, getting to know people, and, and most of all, just having people read my stories and enjoy them and getting feedback. 
My first novel, The Testimonium, is available on Amazon and uh, also at BarnesandNoble.com and all the major online booksellers. Uh, And it's got 36 Amazon reviews, and 32 of them gave it five stars. So it's been very well received. And uh, my second novel, The Redemption of Pontius Pilate, is a historical novel that is set in the first century A.D., uh, it does, has not been out as long, so it doesn't have as many reviews, but uh, so far all 18 Amazon reviews on it have been five-star reviews. Everyone that's read it has really enjoyed it. And my most recent oh, autograph was published in December. hasn't been out very long, but so far the ones who have read it have enjoyed it as well. Oh, which one, which was that book? Uh, the last one is called Matthew's Autograph. Okay, yeah, I remember. I ran an ad for... Uh, for your books back whenever we first started our Elite Critiques magazine back in uh, October, December-ish. And, yeah, I remember seeing that. I remember reading the the, uh, the bios, the descriptions for them, and I was like, wow, this looks really good. But I'm so busy these days that it's like it's just so – and I'm such a slow reader that it's hard to really, like, sit down and just read for hours now, you know? I hardly have time to re- write my own stuff. <laughs> and, um, well, but the I, life I have, of a movie I, star is a tough one. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have your books on my reading list though. Once I once I get there, I do have uh, um, you know, a couple of your books on my reading list. So I'll be getting I'll be getting to that soon. But um, I I how how did you get started in in write? I mean, not not how did you get started, but what what got you interested in wanting to be a an author? Well, I mean, I've always you know, read voraciously, and, you know, I know a good book from a bad one, and I've read some very good books, and I've read some that were not so good. And I guess really what started me on the path to writing the testimony of my first novel was three things. Uh, one was when The Da Vinci Code came out about ten years ago. Uh, you know, this book sold millions of copies. It got made into a best-selling motion picture, and um, it really, I'll be honest, uh, The Da Vinci Code took a lot of liberties with history. I mean, and it was a work of fiction, and its author didn't try to portray it as anything but, but so many people took it so seriously, and it was so grossly inaccurate in the claims that it made about the New Testament and the origins of Christianity. Well, frankly, it offended me. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a book that would be as entertaining as the Da Vinci Code and yet actually be historically accurate and maybe... Uh, emphasize the things the New Testament got right rather than making up things that it got wrong. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. that was part of it. And then um, another part of it was a friend of mine loaned me a book, uh, you know, a Christian fiction by one of the best-selling Christian authors out there. And I read through this thing, and I'll just be honest, it was awful. I was like, this made the New York Times bestseller list. It's just not very good. It was uh yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a, a work of historical fiction, but it was full of anachronisms. The dialogue was wonky. The person obviously didn't understand Roman culture, and I, I'm a stickler for trying to get those sort of things correct. And so that was the second thing. And then the third thing, uh, I am a pastor, besides my other responsibilities. Uh-huh. And, you know, every year for Easter, you have to try to find a way to make that old story come alive again for your audience. So... One Easter, I did a bit of costume drama uh, for my church. I had dressed up in a toga and took on the role of Pontius Pilate. And what I was doing Ah. was dictating a letter back to Rome about what happened in Judea 
2,000 years ago on that remarkable Passion Week. And uh, as I got to working on this story, it just kind of, I don't know, the idea took hold in my head, and I thought, what if there was such a letter? What if we found it today? What if it actually yeah. confirmed a lot of the essential details in the gospel accounts? And uh, one day, not long after that, I was sitting in chapel, and all at once the names of these characters began to pop into my head, and I went home and started writing that night. I wrote seven pages that evening. I got up an hour early and wrote another five pages before I left for work. And from then on, the bit was between my teeth, and I just kept plugging at it. And 10 months and 452 pages later, the novel was done. All right. Wonderful. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't want to take all the spotlight. So, Sherry, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask Lewis? Well, I actually I do. Um, I was reading a little bit of your bio, and it said that you also, not only are you a writer, but you're also an avid collector of Indian artifacts. <laughs> and yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. And yeah. how long have you been doing that for? Well, I found my first arrowhead in a sand pile in my neighbor's yard when I was five years old. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was out playing with my Tonka trucks and plowed up an Indian arrowhead. <laughs> And I yeah. knew what it was because my dad collected them, and I took it to mm-hmm. him, and he confirmed that was what I found. And, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. start hunting them at that point. I was only five, but about the time I turned 12, I started riding my bike up to the local river and hunting the gravel bars yeah. and the shark's teeth and arrowheads, <laughs> going down to the lake. And so I've collected nearly 9,000 uh, artifacts over the yeah, last it's, 40 years. It's, wow. It's funny. It's funny, um, uh, Lewis, because every time I see it, like I see a lot of your pictures on – on on Facebook, and I see that you always do a lot of traveling to like different places. You look, you remind me. I don't know why, but like Indiana Jones type stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like I just see your I just see your persona on Facebook, and it's just you look like you do like a lot of exploring. Like you have a lot of like adventures almost. And um, I don't know. You you remind me of um, I don't know who it is, but it was a it was a, it was I think it might have been someone in Indiana Jones or. Some guy in a Jurassic Park. I don't know. <laughs> but well, it's funny because when the movies came out back when I mean I was in high school when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, one of my friends yeah. nicknamed me Indiana Smith, and that uh, has stuck to this day. As a matter of fact, you know that's my email, my Twitter handle, author Indy Smith. Wow. Uh, and so yeah. uh, you know it's it's a. Uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't mind the uh, persona at all. I've kind of taken it and run with it over the years. Yeah. Uh, but, in, of course, archaeology plays a key role in two of my stories because both uh-huh. the Testimonium and Matthew's autograph mm-hmm. are the adventures of a group of biblical archaeologists. Yeah, it, it's and, a good uh, persona. You can, yeah. You can kind well, of tell uh, if you read, like, into those two novels, Joshua Parker uh, the main, one of the main characters is kind of a little bit of my literary alter ego, and a lot of his background is actually my background. Matter of fact, uh, my wife, when she read the testimonium, she said, you know, it's a great story, but there's an awful lot of you in there. <laughs> she likes the <laughs> historical novels better, I think, because I don't figure in them quite so prominently. Yeah. I, I think a little piece of us as writers and authors that, like, always seems to kind of sneak its way into our books, you know? You always see that. So, well, hey, Stephen King metafiction himself into his own novel, so I'm into oh, something, yeah. right? <laughs> he always does that, yeah. 
it's a great it's a it's awesome to do this though so yes um so like uh like what what got you really like into history like um i've never really like been a huge history buff myself but um recently i've been getting more interested in in it than i did before but uh, like what what got you like um like what fascinates you about history anyway like what's uh well, yeah. I mean, everything, when you get into math or accounting, it's all numbers. And numbers are pretty much always the same. You know, the sciences, the laws of science don't really change that much. It's just a matter of learning and applying them. History, on the other hand, is about people, and people are funny animals. And history yeah. sometimes turns on the tiniest of hinges. I mean, for goodness sakes, three cigars helped determine the outcome of America's civil war. Most people don't know that, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it really did. Uh, you know, uh, little things like that just changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people for years ahead. And so uh, that's a part of it. And also, I take my Christianity pretty seriously, and I think Christianity's historical roots are very, very strong. And that's really what I try to explore in my novels is the link where science and history and faith all intersect each other. Uh, that's especially true in the Testimonium and Matthew's autograph, where you have biblical archaeologists making discoveries that impinge on the narrative of the New Testament. Uh, and then my second novel, where, you know, if you like historical novels at all, in The Redemption of Pontius Pilate, I actually try to put myself in first century Rome to imagine what it would be like to be at the court of Augustus and Tiberius Caesar and what the life of a Roman prefect would be like and uh, uh, to be placed uh, in command of one of the most rebellious, hard-to-govern provinces in the whole empire uh, and be told to go there and straighten things out and then be faced with this impossible situation of a man who won't stay dead when you kill him. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it all kind of comes back to history with me, and that's one reason why I'm constantly trying to read and learn and research and mm -hmm. find out more uh, really about all phases of human history, but especially in the areas that fascinate me, like the origins of the New Testament, uh, the yeah. Roman Empire, yeah. but also American history and presidential history. Uh, I, I love it all and, and enjoy learning more about it. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any fascinating like uh, like situation that that's actually happened in your life that you've incorporated into your novels? I know that all all authors at least have one or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh like yeah, this. there's a number of uh, there's a number of stories uh, that have worked their way into my books that are things that have actually happened to me, um, you know. And some of them are kind of funny things. Some of them are kind of more serious things. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. one issue I dealt with in the testimonium is the problem of why bad things happen to good people. I mean, that is a problem that has plagued philosophers and thinkers as long time yeah. as long as mankind's been the, around. You know, since why, the, yeah, since why, the beginning of time. Right. Oh, yeah. And it reminded me of something that happened when I was about like six or seven years old that made such a profound impression on me at the time I've never forgotten it. My sister had a calico cat named Annabelle Lee after the Edgar Allan Poe poem. She was very literary in high school. Uh, and so anyway, we went to church one Wednesday night. Wednesday night. My dad was a preacher, and so when the church doors were open, all of us were there. It was kind of a house rule. Uh, but anyway, while we were at church, 
Uh, my dad had been fishing uh, a day or two before, and he had left his rod reel lead against the corner in the garage. You know the way that goes sometimes. And the cat was out at the garage and walked by the rod reel. And as near as we could figure what happened, she saw this fishing lure kind of dangling there off the end of the rod and decided to bat at it. You know how cats like to play. And the next thing you know, she's gotten a treble hook in one of her front paws. Mm. Well, of course, the cat went spastic at that, and she started pawing at the lure with her other paw, trying to get her paw other, you know, trying to get one paw free, and got the other one entangled. So then she decided to bite the fishing lure in half to get her paws clear, and there was another treble hook. This was one of those three hook lures, and she got it through her cheek. So we come home from church to find our garage in a shambles. And in the middle of it is this massive ball of fishing line with an angry, hissing, spitting cat with three fish hooks in her that was just ready to shred anything that got close. Mm. And so my dad had to throw a blanket over the cat and wrap her up as tightly as he could and spent an hour snipping his way through fishing line. And, of course, with fish hooks, the only thing you can do is push the hook all the way through dip off the barb with a pair of wire cutters and then pull the hook back out. Well, of course, the cat thought my dad was trying to kill her, and, and you know he just about needed stitches when it was done. She clawed into pieces, but he finally managed to get her free and let her go. And I've often thought that's such a wonderful metaphor for who we are as people. We are angry, we are hurting, and 99% of the mess is our own fault for what we've done in our lives and the lives of others. And when God tries to help us or sends others to try to help us, all we want to do is claw into pieces because all we can see is our own pain. And we think that they are causing it. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Very nice. Sherry? You have anything? Oh, no. It's just um, I actually had a question come in from a listener. Um, sure. Our listener asked... Who is your favorite writer or influence? Oh, gosh. Uh, I read a lot of people, and like I said, I'm very eclectic. I read a lot of history. I read a lot of fiction. Uh, But in terms of a stylistic influence, Colleen McCullough, uh, she wrote a series of books called The Masters of Rome, and I think she gets ancient Rome right better than any writer of fiction I've read. And I've read a lot of historical novels set in the Roman Empire, but I think she gets the dialogue, the mindset. Uh, she was very meticulous in her research. So as far as a stylistic influence, uh, she goes a long way. Now, as far as nonfiction writers, of course, for American history, I love David McCullough. He's a wonderful writer. I'm also real fond of uh, Josh McDowell and Lee Strobel in the field of Christian literature, they're both apologists who are very good at lining up history, archaeology, scientific fact, and arraying those things uh, to support uh, uh, the cause of the faith. And so in terms of in terms of my faith, those guys have been a big influence of me in terms of my love of history, McCullough, and people like that. In terms of my love of ancient Rome and my style as a writer, probably call it McCullough influence that. Those are some that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Huh. All right. Oh. Um. So, uh, I I love asking this question as well. Um, I feel like it should be asked like with every author that we uh we bring on or really anybody in the entertainment business. 
Um, so, like, if you were to give advice, one piece of advice to new writers, new authors, you know, getting ready to publish their books, what, what would it be? Because you never know who's listening. And I always love to ask this because, I mean, it could really, like, it, this question has actually been known to change people, um, you know, people's lives who are starting to write. And um, I've had, you know, people have come in and asked me, um, told me, it's like, that was a really great, that was a really great interview. It really helped me a lot. And um, so anyway, <laughs> how, uh, what, what piece of advice could you give to new writers that, uh, that are just starting out? Well, uh, first of all, you know, there's that classic line by Billy Crystal from Throw Mama from the Train, a writer writes always. Don't quit writing. Don't get discouraged. Keep on writing. I mean, while I was trying to find an agent to rep my first novel or trying to find a publisher that would even look at it, I went ahead and started the next one. As a matter of fact, by the time I found a publisher for the testimonium, I was almost through with my second novel. So that's a big part of it. You know, just keep on writing and don't give up. Secondly, do not fall for one of these fantasy presses. You know, the guys who publish your book for $5,000, I nearly stepped into that trap, and thanks to some good advice from friends yeah. and going and reading a couple of writers' forums, I quickly learned that was not the way to go. If yeah. you can't yeah. find an agent or a publisher, self-publishing is cheaper than ever, and there's yeah. a lot of ways to do it. You don't have to fork over $5,000 to somebody to publish and promote your book for you, because frankly, they will pocket 90% of that, mm-hmm. maybe spend 100 on a few ads, and then expect you to get out and sell all your books. Yeah. The other thing I would say, yeah. though, is that ultimately you do have to. It doesn't matter if you go traditional publishing, self-publishing, or even vanity press publishing. You have to get out and sell your books. Amazon lists 100,000 new titles every month. And it doesn't matter how yeah. good your book is. It's just going to sit there if you don't get out there and hustle and plug it. And really, the key to it is personal appearances and social media and repeat. Personal appearances, social media, keep after it. Because ultimately, and you won't see a lot of results at first. And I'll be honest, my Amazon sales sales rank pretty much sucks. But I can go out at a book signing and sell 15 to 20 books a time, nearly every time if there's decent book traffic. And you just keep doing that, and eventually your reputation begins to grow. People begin to say, hmm, I bought this first book, let me go online and find the second. And that's where you really begin to get in. And then, of course, uh, the pipe dream for all of us is that somewhere a screenwriter will pick up your novel and say, hey, this would make a great movie. Or maybe somebody with about 5,000 or 100,000 Twitter followers will pick up your book and say, hey, this is pretty good. You guys ought to read it. Uh, but in the meantime, to a large extent, you're going to make your own luck in this group, in this profession. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, Lewis, have you? What would you tell a first-time writer, like someone who wants to get started in writing? What would you say to them? Uh, I think the first thing, if you're going to write, you have to read. I think the the number one thing that makes you a good writer is having good command of language and words, and the only way to do that is read, read, read. Because that gives you, you know, that lets you know what is a good book and what is a bad book, storylines that work and don't. You'll have all these things in your head, 100,000 things you've read before. Then when you go to craft your own story, 
you'll know sentence structure, paragraph structure, dialogue, character development, all those things will come together. And something else that I have found, and this is at least true for me, I'm, I'm an extemporaneous guy. I don't use notes when I speak in public. Uh, I, I'm not really bound to a script. I will start a story and have no idea how it's going to finish, or maybe sometimes only have the vaguest idea where it's going to go. And it's almost like just hopping onto a train and seeing where it takes you because the story yeah. will gather momentum on its own and it will meander. And uh, I know uh, as a school teacher, I have a lot of students, and you know, they want me to use them for a character name in my novel. And so, yeah, a lot of the names in my novels are names or compound names from kids I've taught over the years who wanted to be in there. And sometimes I will create someone just as a throwaway character, you know, just as a, a little tip of the hat to some kid that was in my class or some person <laughs> I know. And that little yeah. knockoff character will suddenly five chapters later, be a pivotal part of the whole story. I know my next novel, the one that's coming out in April, Lover of God, uh, there's a slave boy named Cadius in there. Uh, And Cadius is named after a kid that I taught named Cade, uh, who just wanted to be in the story. And I thought, okay, you know, I'll make him a little household servant or something, (laughs) give him a few lines here and there. And by the end of the story, Cadius is like this huge part of the story arc plays a central part in the whole drama, and that is uh, well, that's just the way it unfolds sometimes. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can write us into one of your books sometime if you want. I'll let you. Yeah. Sure. I'm, I volunteer. I volunteer. I mean, if I fall off a cliff, that's cool, too. I'm... <laughs> well, you know, it was funny when I was working on the testimonium. I had uh-huh. a class full of sophomores in my world history class that just, I think, you know, part of it, of course, was they wanted to get me off track, but also <laughs> these, these kids were genuinely interested in my story. And the number one request I got that was year from these class? kids was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a class of about 16, but they were like, uh, can I die in your novel? Oh my God! You should have I mean, taken. That was a, you what they, wanted. they wanted to get killed. Yeah, you should have put uh, them all so, on a bus and just run off a cliff. That would have been well, fun. Well, you know, when, <laughs> when I had a terrorist attack that occurs, that's part of the story. Arc about halfway through, I think uh, like uh, four or five of the named victims in that uh, in that <laughs> bus are named after former students of mine. And you know, when I did my first book signing, uh, you know, it was like right after that class had graduated two years later. I think just about every member of that class showed up to get a signed copy. And they have come back to Christmas saying, Mr. Smith, I want to get three more of your books. I'm giving them as Christmas presents. Uh, so that's been a whole lot of fun. Hey, that's probably a, that's probably a good marketing um, way, too, like since you teach at, like, you know, college. and It was college, right? Uh, uh, well, this was actually in my high school class, but, yeah. Okay, well, that's probably a good uh, marketing t- uh, method, too, like as you, like, teach in, like, a, 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 you know, a classroom full of students. It's like, I mean, that's probably a good way to get, you know, get books sold, isn't it? Uh, it, you know, it works. Uh, uh, I try not to just be too shameless in my self-promotion, but I've had a lot of my college students and even more of my high school students show up at my book signing. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and so that's what I mean, their families buy them, and uh, it's, been, um, it's been just really – it hasn't been – 
terribly financially rewarding yet. I mean, you know, I'm still working on that end of it, trying to build my audience and all of that. Yeah. But it's just been so rewarding to have, you know, some of my kids that graduated high school three or four years ago come up and say, when's your next book coming out? <laughs> or, or <laughs> right. you know, just, uh, you know they, they're, they're invested in it. Yeah. Right. Now, Lewis, um, we're just running out of time. We're at it like a minute and 50 seconds. Yeah. I really want um, you to share with everyone where we can find your books. And if you yeah, have a website or anything, please share it with us. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, author Indy Smith. Uh, also, I have a blog. Uh, it's called Lewis Literary Lair. Uh, mm-hmm. dot com. Uh, and all of my books: The Testimonium, The Redemption of Pontius Pilate, and Matthew's Autograph are available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. You can buy them directly from my publisher. Please do that. I get a bigger cut of the sales that way. Uh, you can buy it directly <laughs> from my publisher at electiopublishing.com. Also, each of my books has its own Facebook page. You can go to Facebook and look for the testimonium, look for Matthew's autograph, or just look for Pontius Pilate, and they're all there. All right. That's oh, great. All right. Sounds Perfect. good. Well, Well, Lewis, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you, Lewis. Thank you. We'd like to have you back again sometime, too. All right. I would be delighted. Uh, Always always glad for a return booking, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me to come on the show this evening. You're welcome, welcome. Lewis. You're welcome. Have a good night, okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night. (laughs) Well, everyone, that was Lewis Smith. You can check him out online. If you can Google his name, you'll get a real nice biography of him and where you, what books he's written and where you can find some of his stuff. And, Devin, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show tonight, too, and doing half the interview. Yeah. I love that. Of course. Of it. course, yeah. And we have we have uh, Sydney Lord coming on next week. She's a best-selling author. And um, we'll see you all then. Excellent. Have yourselves a good night. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye-bye.